volunteers volunteering for that, and thankful for what the kids learn. They have Kids Own uses a curriculum, thanks Kent, that is highly, highly intentional about teaching kids the Bible stories in order. Every week, Bible story in order, so they systematically learn the word. So thankful for Kids Own. I'm going to start with this quote, and I'd like you to ask whether or not this is true in your life. Just about everything you've done so far today was to make yourself happy. Is that true? You fed yourself, you know, usually the day goes better when you have something to eat, or maybe you're on a diet and you didn't eat, or maybe you didn't eat what you kind of wanted to eat because you want to hit a certain goal. But however you ate, you ate in order to make yourself happy one way or another. You stayed in the shower a bit longer because the kids were fighting downstairs, and it's awful comfortable in here. You dressed yourself, day tends to go better with clothes on. If you can, for the rest of the day, you will do what makes you happy. Is that true? Is it working? We're on Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Before we read, let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, that you would talk over me while I talk to them. Lord, that you would do this for your glory's sake, for our good, for the sake of the world. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus begins Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, with this word, blessed. Blessed could be translated happy. Of course, it means God is smiling at you, approving of you, and that has to include the idea of happiness. God is looking at you, wanting your best interest. This is an invitation that Jesus makes, saying, blessed, like opening a door, saying, come on in, and it's built around the idea of repentance, that Jesus has terms for his happiness, and those terms are repentance. So, come on in, it's blessed in here, it's happy, but you're going to have to repent. And I, you know, So I, I can't re-preach week one every week, even though I want to, but if you go back and look at Matthew 5, 1 through 3, you'll see, you'll kind of get the idea of, of what we're saying with this word blessed, because it happens nine times here. If you look at chapter 5, verse 3, blessed, chapter, four, you know, chapter 5, verse 4, blessed, 5, 5, blessed, 5-6, blessed, 5-7, blessed, 5-8, blessed, 5-9, blessed, and 5-10, blessed, and also 5-11, blessed. This is, this is the key theme that unites this passage, as Jesus says, this is, this is the way. Now, let's look at what it says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, and Cheyenne introduced this word, what is the word? Righteousness. My guess is that you never use the word righteousness in everyday talk. 
that church would probably be the only place you use the word righteousness. Righteousness just means right with Godness. And I want you to see, so when you're thinking about right with Godness, what I want you to know is that it means there's stuff that we can get rid of from our lives. There's sin that's not right with God that we would get rid of from our lives. And there are good habits and right things that we would need to add to our lives. So righteousness, right with Godness, would include both of those ideas. So look, this is what I just kind of clicked on. Look at this quote now from Martin Lloyd-Jones. He writes this, We are not to hunger and thirst after blessedness. We are not to hunger and thirst after Whoa. We're not to hunger and thirst after happiness. But that is what most people are doing. We put happiness and blessedness as the one thing that we desire. So no matter what, no matter what, no matter who, no matter how, I don't care. I just want to be happy. When we put happiness and blessedness as the one thing that we desire... And thus, we always miss it. Have you ever felt like that? Like, I keep chasing happiness, and it seems like it's always just around the corner. I keep thinking, this will do it, that will do it, he will do it, she will do it. And it just never, it's always a little bit discontent, always a little dissatisfied, always a little frustrated, just never quite, never quite happy. It always eludes us. This is the great message of the Bible from beginning to end. They alone are truly happy who are... Now, is happiness bad? Happiness is good, blessed. But they alone are truly happy who are seeking to be righteous. So, I look at it like going to sleep. You know, like when you're driving, maybe you've had this experience, maybe you haven't. When you're driving and you're trying not to go to sleep, you're, you're just trying to focus on the road, you're doing everything you can to focus on the road, and you keep waking up. You've been there? Like you roll down the window, you turn the music on loud, you try to get the person next to you to talk to you, except they're sleeping. And like no matter what, you're like just trying to stay awake. And then you finally get there, and you lay down and you're like, okay, now I can finally go to sleep. And then what happens? Then you lay there like this. What is wrong? I look at it like this with happiness. The harder you try to go to sleep, the harder it is to go to sleep. The harder you try to be happy, the less likely you are to be happy. They alone are truly happy who are seeking to be righteous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Happy are those who are hungering and thirsting, earnestly desiring. This is what they're chasing. They're chasing righteousness. This is why I have this in red. I want to slow down, and I want you to hear this very clearly. I put this on the board so that you could see it and read it. I wrote this down because I really wanted to say it right. 
When you hear, I don't care what's right, I just want to be happy. When you hear yourself say that, when you hear somebody else say that, you know a disaster is about to take place. Disaster. You know they're about to, or you're about to, buy something you really can't afford. And there are going to be financial implications and struggles from that decision for a long time. You know, like an addiction is about to start, and you're going to be addicted to this for a long time. Now, you're not thinking about that right now. You're just thinking, this probably is happiness. This is the thing I need to do to be happy, so I'm going to do this so I can be happy. And you're going to struggle with that addiction for a long time, and it's going to be ugly. It's a relationship, like, I don't care, I don't care, I just want to be happy, and they look like happiness, and so I'm going to pursue them, I don't care that I'm married, I don't care that they're married, I don't care, I just want to be happy, I deserve to be happy. You've seen how that's come out in other people's lives. Why do you think yours is going to be different? I don't say that because I'm mad at you. I say that because I'm for your happiness. Like, I want you to flourish. I want you to be, ha- I want you to be blessed. So please, please take a breath when you hear yourself say, I don't care what's right. I just want to be happy. Jesus said, happy are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So seek right with Godness. And what this means, righteousness, right with Godness, what this means is putting sin to death because it died with Jesus on the cross. And so you say, all right, what Jesus did on the cross is now God has given me that gift, and so I can put my sin to death. And it means building positive habits of righteousness. So you actually do the right things, not just stop doing the wrong things, but you're actually doing the right things. Jesus is for your happiness, so seek, so you can seek right with Godness and believe that his plan is good. And he really does have your best interest in mind. He really does want you to flourish. So let's talk about three steps, okay? So three movements here. We're going to talk about what right with Godness is not. Then we'll talk about why, why right with Godness, why you want to pursue this, because it's really hard to do what's right. It's really hard to hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's really hard. Why do it? And then how? Let's take it down out of the clouds and talk about how. Okay? So what it's not, why, and then how. Three movements. Here we go. Jesus is for your happiness, so seek right with Godness. And what we're not talking about is, I'm going to stand over here, what we're not talking about is image management. Is image management a thing at your house? Is image management a thing where you live? You know, you're fighting like cats and dogs yelling at each other, screaming, get down from there, get down from there, like, the phone rings, hello? 
Is image management a thing? You know that your relationship is icy cold. You haven't spoken a kind word to each other in two weeks. But then it's date night and it's been on the calendar so you get a picture together. The happy couple. Image management, is that a thing? How do you manage your image? Here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Then Jesus gives three examples of this, of image management. You know, so he says, look, if you only give when other people can see you and you want to announce your giving with trumpets and you get a selfie you know, as you're giving, he's like, that doesn't count. You're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling God. Are you kidding? <laughs> Don't do that. He's like, if you only pray in church... That's the next example he gives there in Matthew chapter 6. If you only pray in church, if you only pray when you're around religious people, if you only pray because your family is there and they're praying, if that's why you pray and you always pray the loudest and the best only when you're around other people, that's just image management. Like that doesn't, What are you even doing? Do you think you're fooling God? Then he gives another example and says, and you're fasting. If you only fast because you're in an accountability group and they're fasting, and so you're going to fast along with them, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm so hungry. Oh, oh I'm so spiritual, though, so very spiritual. Like, who do you think you're fooling? Do you think you're fooling God? You're just managing your image. Please, like I'm saying this because I'm for your happiness, I'm for your flourishing. Please don't settle for image management. That is not righteousness. God knows, and the people closest to you know, when you're just managing an image. And Jesus, because he's for your flourishing, is saying in Matthew 6, 1, in that whole half chapter in Matthew chapter 6, please don't do this. It's fake. I was listening to a pastor this week who said, we are all pretend-aholics. We're all managing our image. And he said, all the relationships that you have where you're managing your image, they're all just imaginary. Because they're based on lies. I'd put it like this in this context. Image management, image management produces imaginary righteousness. It's just fake. You're not fooling God. <laughs> I know, I know that's like, I'm not wearing sweatpants while I'm speaking right now. Like, I'm not wearing, I mean, I don't even own sweatpants. Like, I'm not wearing running pants or running shoes. You know, I'm not wearing 
stuff that I might wear when I'm at home because I'm up in front of you. Like, so I know that like, society has norms, and we shouldn't, I'm not saying just don't, but I'm saying, are you real at all with anyone, even yourself? Or is all you do manage an image? Please don't think you can fool God as you manage an image. Okay, so, so what hungering and thirsting after righteousness is really, really not is managing an image. Okay, so, so why should we hunger and thirst after righteousness? Why should we earnestly desire right with Godness? Well, let's read it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And here's the promise. For they shall be satisfied. That's a big promise. For they shall be satisfied. You've got this sin habit in your life that you can't get, that seems like it's been part of you for a long, long time. You're trying to develop this positive habit of righteousness that seems like you've been trying to get this done for a long, long time and it just hasn't come around. Listen to this promise. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after right with Godness, for they shall be satisfied. That's a big promise. What Jesus is saying is, if you hunger and thirst, like desperately hunger and thirst, like a couple days without food, a long, long, long time without water, and you are desperate to be right with God, it will work. You'll get there. And I can tell you from my life, it's true. When I am desperate to kill a habit, that's when it happens. When I am desperate to start a habit, that's when it happens. But not until I'm hungering and thirsting for it. Like, not until it's desperate quite often. You know how I know this will work? So you're looking at chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be satisfied. You know how I know this will work? Look how, look how they end there in chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You'll get this righteousness and it will get so deep in you that you'll be willing to be persecuted for it. But first you have to hunger and thirst after it. And you'll find it so satisfying you won't give it up for anything. Hey, do you believe this? Do you believe that if you hunger and thirst for right with Godness, that he won't just leave you hanging? Or do you think that God is like, watch this. I'm going to let him suffer forever. No, what God is like is he wants you to be satisfied. But he also knows you need to hunger and thirst first. You can be satisfied. You can be right with God. 
This is what Jesus said later on in Matthew chapter 7. So this is still part of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus is like, look, you will be satisfied. Hunger and thirst after righteousness, and you will be satisfied. God knows how to give good gifts. He wants to give them to you. You believe that? Okay, so we started with Jesus is for blessing you. He likes to bless you. This is what the Beatitudes are for. They're like a door that opens to the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, come on in. It's blessed in here. It's happy in here. Come on in. And this is shaped like repentance. We see that in, the, in chapter 4, where Jesus came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm just kind of backing way up now. So what we can do, because we believe Jesus is for our happiness, is we can seek his righteousness, or seek right with Godness. What that is not is image management. What it, the reason we can do this is because there's actually hope. So one time... One time, uh, one time the diamond fell out of Cheyenne's ring. And she was teaching. And so she and a bunch of the classmates got down on their hands and knees and were like looking for this diamond on the classroom floor. Was it a diamond or was it one of the stones? Diamond? A smaller diamond, not the big one, but the one that's, it was really big, like really, really big. I was like, how would you even, because you'd trip over it, like it's, it was like one of the small ones. So, so they're on their hands and knees, like looking for this thing, and uh, you know why, you know why she had a bunch of people down there, you know, like on their hands and knees in the carpet, looking for this diamond? You know why? Because they believed they'd find it. I don't go around on my hands and knees looking for diamonds and carpet because I don't think they're there and I don't think I'm going to find any. This is the thing. You can really pursue rightness with God because you'll actually find it. It's actually there to be found. Okay, so where do we start? Let's bring this down out of the clouds and let's, let's actually do it. What is right with God in Real relationships, like what does that look like here and now? Where should I start? Well, it'll really help if you have your Bible open. So, um, or if you're going to stroll, then you're going to have to get, get your thumb ready because you're really going to have to keep up. So, you see, in beginning of chapter 5, um, you have the, the Beatitudes or the blessings. Like, the blessed are, and then he takes us through the Beatitudes through chapter uh, 5, verse 12. Then... He says, look, the people that do this, the people that come in this door through repentance, they are going to be different, really, really different, as different as salt is from whatever you're salting, and as different as light is from darkness. They are going to be different. And he says, this is different than the kind of righteousness that the scribes and the Pharisees have. It is really, really different that takes you through Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Then he gives you six examples of how you are going to be different if you do this. 
So if you are one of the blessed people, if you come in through this door, if you repent like Jesus is prescribing, you will be really, really different. And there are six examples of difference. I'm just kind of outlining how we're going to work through the Sermon on the Mount in the coming days. Then he says, we need to talk about your life goals because you will have different life goals too. So I'm going to turn the page and I'm in Matthew chapter 6 now. And in Matthew chapter 6, this is what we talked about with life goals. Life goals is not having the right image. It's not imaginary righteousness. It is real righteousness. So it is righteousness that really does give, really does pray, really does fast. And so he talks about the difference in life goals between real righteousness and fake righteousness. Then he talks about different life goals, like the, the life goal of just storing up lots and lots and lots of earthly treasure, like having lots and lots and lots of money in the bank and having that as your treasure, having other earthly things as your treasure. He says that's a really bad idea because it's all going to rust or get stolen or go away or get lost or whatever. It's all in danger, so store up your treasures in heaven. Then he says, so that's like positively, this is how you could get it wrong. Then negatively how you could get it wrong is you could spend all your life worrying about that same stuff. Do not be anxious. Is that passage there. Then he, he sums it all up. Chapter 6, verse 33, he sums it all up by saying, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You want a life goal? That's your life goal. But seek first the kingdom of God is in his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. So, when some people, listen, back up here. When some people say, all right, I'm going to get right with God, and I'm going to make sure I am right with God, where they start is with the person sitting next to them, because they're the person that's keeping them from being right with God. Some of you, you know, you're listening to this whole thing, and you're like, oh yeah, I hope they're hearing this. And you know where Jesus starts? He's like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And Jesus knows this, so he says, now look, don't start with the speck in your neighbor's eye. You start with the log in your own eye. Start there. How about that? He knows that it's going to be difficult. So then he says, ask and I'll help you. Now in verse 12, chapter 7, he says, he like sums it all up. This is the whole thing. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You want to know what it means to be right with God? Start with the law and the prophets. Jesus' summary statement. This is the whole thing. Whatever you wish the others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Your marriage is ice cold. You don't start by fixing him or fixing her. You start by asking, if I was them, how would I want to be treated? The relationship with your kids is volcanic. You don't start with, they need to this or that. You start with, if I was them, how would I want to be treated? Your relationship with your coworkers is so 
frustrating, always frustrating. You don't start with, that's it. You start with, if I was them, how would I want to be treated? In case you're like, I just don't know, I mean, I don't know about this, man. If you still have your Bible open to chapter 7, look at verse 21. Because Jesus is now like, like laying down the consequences. Here's what the stakes are. And he says in chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Like just making, just saying stuff doesn't matter. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Well, how do you know what the will of the Father who is in heaven is? Well, probably through the law and the prophets. And the summary statement of the law of the prophets is up there. Whatever you wish others to do unto you, you do, all, do to them. For on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? Like, that's a list there. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Those people, those people, man, they, they prophesied in his name. They told the truth in his name. They cast out demons in his name. They did many mighty works in his name. But you know what? They did everything but do unto others as you would have them do unto you. When it's really, really hard. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Start with that. And if you're like, Nathan, I, I can't do that. I can't. I've tried and I can't. You know my situation? My situation, this would be impossible. I can't. And even if my situation changed, it would be impossible. Remember where Jesus starts. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who know they can't. Blessed are those who come to the end of themselves. Blessed are those who know that they are spiritually bankrupt, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if you're like, Nathan, I mean, I can't, and not only can I, I just can't do it, I know how many times I've failed. I know I have failed and failed and failed and failed. I can't. I am itchy with guilt. I feel like I shouldn't even be here. I don't even know what I'm doing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You mourn your sin. And you say, you know, I, I give up trying to control the whole world. I give up trying to make things happen my way. I give up trying to make my will be done in everything. I give up all of it and I will just just submit to the Lord. Well, blessed are the blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And now Jesus says, and when you're there and you're not just ready to be meek anymore, but you're also ready to hunger and thirst after righteousness, I want things to be right. Yes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be satisfied. May you hunger and thirst after righteousness. He will satisfy you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. 
I thank you for this word and this promise. Lord, help us not be satisfied with managing our image, but help us believe your promise that we will be satisfied. And help us start by loving others as you love us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.